This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. We're going to continue along the lines of faith. And I want to go back to the session I had with you this morning where we talked about faith is of the heart and not of the head. And one of the things we talked about in that was a hindrance that will often come to us of doubt, doubt and unbelief. And then we're also going to talk about unforgiveness. Now, Pastor Cowan, at the end of this last session, he mentioned those things that can hinder faith, hinder the flow of faith. And unforgiveness is one of the ones he said just before we made the, the last break there. So we're going to really look at that because unforgiveness is it's very important. It's crucial even that we can identify unforgiveness if it's in our lives and take care of it according to the word so that that faith, our faith, the flow of faith is not hindered. But before we get there, I want to talk about doubt and unbelief just for a minute here. Doubt and unbelief is going to be in our lives or be influencing our lives when I don't give proper attention to the word of God. In other words, students, it's like this. When I give proper attention to God's word, and that's, that seems like that's been the theme of this weekend, is seeing to it that we read the word, that we're meditating the word, that the word of God is the foundation of our lives. If you and I do not give proper attention to the word of God in this manner and in this way, doubt and unbelief is going to always be something that we're battling against in a faith walk and living by faith. So I want you to look with me as we say just a few things, try to finish that up. If you can maybe let the Holy Spirit tie it together in your minds. I know that's been a number of sessions ago. But go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. And let's look at what the Bible says here concerning this. Look at Hebrews 3 and verse 12 with me here. Doubt coming at our minds and saying that God's word will not work, saying that God's word will not produce in our lives, we have to stand against that. And here's why in verse 12. The Bible says in the King James, says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what, saints? Unbelief. Now look what it says there, in departing from the living God. Now when it speaks of departing from the living God, he's not talking about a heaven or hell issue or being saved or born again or not being. What he is talking about when you depart from the living God, you give place to those things which will separate you from the promise of God, making it ineffective and causing it to be brought to naught or brought to nothing in our lives. That's what he speaks of when he talks about departing. It's not you departing from God like you were, would be saved and then now you're not saved. So don't look at it like that. Because an evil heart with unbelief, and notice what the Bible says, it's evil. To God that is evil when the unbelief is there. It separates us and it causes us to be opposed to God, that's why we have to, to guard against it and stay on top of it. And once again, just to, to really have it founded in our thinking, 
The way we do that is stay with the Word of God. Keep reading the Word. Keep meditating that Word. You read the Word every day. You do it when you feel like doing it, and you do it when you don't feel like doing it. You speak that Word when you feel like speaking it, and you speak the Word when you don't feel like speaking it, because our feelings are going to change. You've been in session now all day for eight hours. I guess your feelings have changed quite a bit through the day today, have they not? You know, just in sitting here and receiving the word and all the things that go with that. Your feelings can change. That's why we make that decision that we're going to stay with the word. Keep reading and meditating, as I've said. Keep operating and conducting our lives by that, regardless of how we feel and regardless of how circumstances come against us. Because as we do that, by the word of God continually being fed into our soul, you're going to be strong in faith and be able to stand against any opposing thought or any opposing influence that would try to separate you from that word. So the Bible says here, it says take, let me get over here, it says take heed, brethren. Notice what the word says. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, or we can say it this way, that any of us, an evil heart of unbelief. Amen. Stand against it. Stay strong against it. Doesn't matter what your coworkers might think. You stay with what God says. Doesn't matter what maybe some of your family. I don't know how the situation is with all, but some of your families may not understand why you come to a school like this. Maybe why you travel long distances. They may not understand. Sometimes that happens in families. They don't know. They just don't have that understanding of the word yet. And they may wonder, why, why are you doing that? I know my wife's family. When I, we told them we were going to leave our home in Tennessee and go to Rama in Tulsa. We, we had two small, say small children. They were, you know, first grade or so. I know my wife's family said, why? Why do you want to do that? And they didn't understand about the call of God and things on it. But yet we could not let that keep us. From, from, from fulfilling the will of God. We had to stand against that. So it doesn't matter what a co-worker might say or what some family member might say. Don't let that cause you to go away from God or to have unbelief or have doubt or things working in your life. You've made this decision to live a life of faith. You've made that commitment even further by coming to the school here. Follow through with that. Amen. And guard against those things that would try to separate you and keep you from that. Because God has great things in store for us. Great things not only now, great things he has done. But then we will experience those things as we were talking about in one of our earlier sessions as well. And that's what excites me, students. God. We can experience our God. He's not just some abstract, faraway God that we can speak of and know. No, he's someone that as we draw nigh to him, he comes nigh to us. And we can experience the blessing and experience the life of God and experience the peace of God and walk in that power. Hallelujah. And fear doesn't have to have any place in our lives. Amen. And I don't have to go around with uncertainty and, 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 and just all type of care coming against me. No, my God is my foundation. My God is my strength. And I will walk in what the word of God says. And I don't let any other influence Try to take me out of that. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying today? And you make that commitment and you make that decision and anything that comes against you or comes to you that says that the word of God is not going to work, 
or it can't work, or that God, how about this one? Sometimes you'll hear this in your head. God will do it for others, but he won't do it for you. Anything like that. You know right up front that that's not coming from God. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. My God loves me. My God sent Jesus to die for me. And if he sent Jesus to die for me, then he wants me to walk in that life. Amen. And I don't let anything separate me from that. You remember this morning when we talked about the word doubt from Mark eleven twenty three? I'll remind you of it here. Remember that word doubt meant to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, or to oppose. And that's what happens when doubt, sometimes we say unbelief. That's what happens when they come to us. But we're on guard, are we not? We do what this verse says. We take heed so that these things do not have influence in our lives. Say that with me today. Say, I do not, or let me say it this way. I will not let doubt and unbelief have influence in my life. Amen. Praise God, because it will hinder faith in that. Now, we, let's move along today, just, just for time's sake here. I want to talk to you next about unforgiveness. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Faith will not work when there is an unforgiveness about you. Faith will not work when there is an unforgiveness about you or in your life. Now, go back with me to Mark 11, or as we said this morning, Hagen 11. Go back there with me if you would, okay? So. Right, it's late in the afternoon. I'm just trying to get you to laugh a little bit, kind of stir you up a little bit. Now, let's go back to Mark 11. And we're all very familiar. I say very familiar. I know we've read it many times. Mark 11, verse 22, 23, and 24. We're very familiar with those verses. But sometimes when you ask people, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what does Mark 11, 25, and 26 say? People say, I don't know. So let's see what Mark 11, verse 25 and 26 say, because this is all a part of the discourse Jesus had on the God kind of faith. He hasn't started a new subject here. He's still on the God kind of faith as he writes here, or as Jesus is speaking, and Mark wrote this by the Spirit of God. Verse 25, everyone there? And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your heavenly Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now notice that again in the first, first part of verse 25. And when you stand praying, indicating that when you're in the action of faith. Now he says praying here, but that would also include verse 23 when we're saying. Now, now, now let's, just to make this clear, look very, very quickly at verse 23. It says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Does he mention prayer in that verse at all? 
No, but we know that this is a part of the God kind of faith because Jesus is teaching on it, right? Then he comes along in verse 24 and says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, do what? How do we do that? Believe that we receive them and we shall have them. So then he comes to verse 25 and he says, and when you stand praying. Now, when he says again praying, it's not just when you're in an act of prayer and not when you're saying. No, it's when you're in the action of faith. Everyone hear that? Understand that? Say that with me. He says, when I'm in the action of faith, I must forgive. So he says, when you stand praying, do what? Forgive if you have aught against any. Jason and I were in the, uh, the waiting room, the minister's room there, and we were looking at this before, just about an hour or so ago, and Jason was looking up different translations for me, and it says there, when you have aught against any, here's what he's saying. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm just going real slow on purpose because we need to think about this. If you have anything against anyone, we are to forgive. Now think about that. Anything, what does that leave out? Against anyone, who does that leave out? So nothing that would come to us as an offense and cause us to be in a place of unforgiveness qualifies for us to hold on to. You hear what I said? Now I know it's going to get quiet when we start talking about this because we've all had to deal with unforgiveness. You ever been angry at anyone? Let me ask you, have you ever been just plain mad at someone? Amen. And, and were you mad and angry to the point that it just really, you know, just really fumed in you? You know, just like it would just cause you irritation in you, okay? Well, we've all been in that place, have we not? Well, now, this is what he's talking about right here. If you have anything against anyone, it leaves nothing out of the picture, and it leaves no one out. There are no exceptions to this. In other words, husband, you have to forgive everyone but your wife. Wives, you can forgive everybody else but not that old husband. No, it's everything. Everyone's included in this. No situation or circumstance which has caused the offense is omitted. And no one who has brought this to you or done this towards you is omitted. If you have anything against anyone, what's the next word say? Forgive. Now, when we forgive biblically, I know you know these things, but I'm just talking it out so we can learn. When you forgive biblically, what does that mean? Let it go. You, 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 it's like this. When you forgive like the word of God says, you send it away. You lay it aside. You leave it alone. The other, another definition says you omit it. Now when you forgive someone, it's like this. You have to forgive them and then forget it in this sense, although you may not be able to you know, actually let it go from your memory, but you cannot allow the thinking of that or the memory of that to continue to have influence in your life and over you. Now, if you ever heard this said, this, this is the saying I'm about to say to you, this is said very often in America. I will forgive them, but I will never forget it. You ever heard that? Wives, do I have any wives in here today? 
Raise your hand. Has your husband ever offended you? And you can remember with great detail. Time. <laughs> What'd you say, ma'am? <laughs> Many times is what I have a witness. <laughs> On the front row. As a husband, sometimes we feel like our wives have great memories in this area. And when we do good things, it seems like their memory is very shallow. They don't keep up with those. <laughs> but, it, but, it's, but it's not forgive everyone but my wife or forgive everyone but my husband. No, you have to forgive. You have to send this away. Let it go. Don't hold on to it. Let it be. And again, it's not like it's going to be erased from your memory. It's not like the Spirit of God is going to come and scrub your, your mind and take it away where you have no recollection of it at all. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying to you there, when you let it go, it has no more influence over you. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Some of you looking at me like, what kind of doctrine you teach? We're talking about unforgiveness. And notice that it's Jesus has connected it as we said to you earlier, he has connected this with the God kind of faith, which is the highest kind of faith. It is the faith that you and I not only have received from God, that measure of the faith, of that faith, when we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is how, it is the faith and the measure of faith that you and I are to live by and to live out of. And unforgiveness will affect this and cause my faith to be ineffective and inoperative. Now, once again, the word forgive here means to lay aside, to leave alone, to omit, and to send away. So when I stand praying, or as we said earlier, when I am in the action of faith, I must forgive anything that anyone has done to me. Now think about that. Forgive anything that anyone has done to me. Now this is serious, is it not? Amen. And this is probably one of the greatest factors, and there, there are many hindrances, as, as my dad said to you in the, the close of that last hour, there are many hindrances there, and, and all those that dad said are, of course, important there. But unforgiveness sometimes is one of the greatest things that we can have in, against or working against our faith because it involves a number of people that we can deal with and interact with. Amen. So it's important that we recognize when we have unforgiveness and stand in the way the Bible says to let it go. Now let's look at this a little further. Go over to Matthew 18 with me. And let's look at the law of forgiveness here for a moment. The law of forgiveness. And if anybody has questions about what I said a moment ago, how that you, you know, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God is going to remove it completely from your mind, the memory of it. No, you still may have the memory of the event that caused you to have to deal with this, but you can come to the place where it will not have influence upon you and it will not affect your faith. We'll talk more about that as we go along, okay? On that. Now, here's the, it's the law of forgiveness as it's given by Jesus. Look in Matthew 18 and verse 21 with me. 18 of 18th chapter of Matthew, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till 
seven times. Now, you've probably heard this preach before, but can't you just see Peter right now? He really felt he was being spiritual right now. He's come with not only the question to the Lord, but he's brought an answer with it. <laughs> he's talking to Jesus, is he not? And, you know, he's going to, you know, going to say, hey, Jesus, I think I got this one figured out. So, Lord, put my hand here. How oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times? <laughs> and, and can't you just see him standing there with... Kind of, you know, Lord, I got this one, but I just want you to tell me I got it. I know I got this one figured out, you know. I'm one of the chief three. I'm in the top three here. Amen. Peter, James, and John. I want to be number one of the three. Amen. So can't you see him just standing there like that? And then Jesus says to him a very great statement. I say unto thee, not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, how many times is that? 490 times. How? In, in what period? What duration of time? One day. Now, let me tell you something. If you are offending someone 490 times in one day, you've got some issues. <laughs> and if you're being offended, 490 times in one day. Let me say this. You've got some issues, do you not? Either way, I mean, I mean that's, that's a, I mean, that's just an unfathomable amount of time or amount of times to do that. But notice that Jesus put it in perspective to not only what Peter's thinking was, but he brought them the God type of thinking in handling unforgiveness so that it will not be destructive and have impact upon our faith. Notice that. Jesus took it completely out of the realm of man. And took it up to the God level. When he said 70 times 7. That's how often you forgive in a day's time. Now this as I said. This was, was, was just a great, great statement upon Jesus' part here. So that the law of forgiveness is now put out into the earth. Know it. Peter's way of thinking has been put down and God's way has been made known and exalted here in this. Now, if I can see my notes here, I may have to move over here in the light. There we go. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, in this law of forgiveness, as we said, the, the way of Peter has been put down and now the way of the Lord has been made known. So Jesus then, he begins to expound upon this way and he talks more about it here in verse 23. He says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, he, brought, he was brought one, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now you could figure this on different types of money, but the easiest way to say this is this was a very large sum that was owed to this man. 10,000 talents. The servant, therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me till, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Praise God. It's wonderful, is it not? But then the person who had received that wonderful act of forgiveness, that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, 
And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Now the best way to compare this, one was released of a large sum of money. One was owed just a very petty amount of money. But yet he would not show forgiveness. He took the man by the throat and said, No, you aren't. You're going to pay me that which you owe me. Now remember what Jesus said, till 70 times 7. That's God's law of forgiveness. So he's got him by the throat, and he's saying, pay me that thou owest. Now verse 29. And his fellow servants, and his fellow servants then fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Same words were spoken by both men. And he would not, the Bible says. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants, so when his fellow servants, rather, saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. And I know that. Remember this morning we were talking about slothfulness and that one that took the one talent and did nothing with it? The Lord said the same thing to him, you wicked Slothful servant. Notice here, when this person would not act, would not act in unforgiveness, he said, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now look at verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if from your hearts, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now God's not going to take you by the throat and you know demand of you all this there, but what's going to happen is this. If I don't forgive, then I won't be forgiven. And if I'm not forgiving, if I'm not letting those things go, if I'm holding on to them, if, if, I, if I'm keeping account of them, if, I, if I'm making marks in my mind, you know what I'm talking about, how you remember things? If I'm doing these things, saints and students, listen, that's going to cause your faith to become ineffective. Because God's word is not going to work in a heart where there is unforgiveness about you. Now let's look at this a little bit further. Take it, I'm going to take it out as full as I can here with you. Is that all right today? Look over in Luke chapter 6 with me. And as we're turning, I want you to think about this from the standpoint of any unforgiveness. Anything that, if, if there would be anything in anyone. I don't know that there is, but I just want to make sure that we're, we're clean and clear on this. Because this weekend has been a faith weekend. And faith is how we please God. And faith is how we are rewarded of God. Remember we covered that earlier today. Faith is how God manifests his finished work of Christ Jesus into our lives. And unforgiveness can hinder that flow and stop that flow if I don't take care of it. So I've got to recognize it no matter what level it's on, what, what person it is, no matter if it's someone I work with or someone that I'm acquainted with or someone in my family or even my wife or even my children. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to people before, they were offended, grown people offended at their, their children. I'm talking about minor children under the age of 18. They were offended at them. 
I've talked to people about like that before, how they were offended at their own children. And they wanted God to help them and God to move and God to take it away from them in their life. And God's not going to take these things away. You and I have got to stand up and be doers of the word if we're dealing with this. Amen. I, again, I don't know if anybody is or not, but here's how I often teach the people at, at our church. I say our church, the, the branch church that we have. I say this word may not be for you in this service. In other words, you may not be dealing with these things that we're talking about in this service, but the Lord could use you as you go out from this service and go out to your work or your home or the marketplace. You may run into someone who is dealing with this, and now you're prepared with the word to minister to them what, they, what the word of God says and to help others and to be a light you know we talked about that earlier today being light in this dark world amen just shining the light of what Jesus has done just very simply standing up and being a witness you shine the light so there may not be anyone here today that is in this this situation if that's and if that's the case wonderful I think that's great but you be prepared to help someone else if they are in that situation and tell them what God's word says about it so we can get free of all this mess. Because Satan wants to keep us all bound up in this. Oh, he, he, he brings the thoughts of offense and works on things where you get sideways with someone. And then we get all fumed up about it and mad about it and get in unforgiveness. And then I think sometimes he just steps back and laughs at us. Because then from then we just kind of take it and keep it all wadded up. Let's get free of all that if we need to be free of it. Get free of it. And let it go. Unforgiveness is not worth the time that you and I spend on it. Hallelujah. It, it, it causes your life to be all riddled with, you know, the, the, the junk of life. And I just don't like it. My wife and I will be married soon 33 years. You know, we were early married. You know, we had to go through all the learning process and curves and everything like that. But I've come to the point in my life, she and I, we don't have to do, deal with all that stuff anymore. We still get aggravated at one another. But if we do, we handle it by the word. Because I don't have time for all that. I'm not going to be offended at somebody. I got way too many other things to do. Way too much other life to enjoy. Amen. I'm going to let it go. Hallelujah. Send it away. Release it. It's not going to have influence on me at all in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now here in Luke 6, I want to look with you in verse 36. Now, all of you are probably aware of Luke 6.38, are you not? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. And we use that very often pertaining to money, and that is a true principle because whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Amen? So if you give, if you sow financially, and that's what that verse is used for sometimes, it'll work. But I want you to look with me back up a couple of verses at verse 36 because money is not the actual it's, it's, it's not the, 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 the focus of this particular passage of Scripture. Now, now look with me. Verse 36, he says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Now, stop right there with me for a minute. You remember this afternoon we were talking about don't be slothful, don't be lazy, but be imitators. Remember that? Of, of those who through faith and patience not only inherit, but remember the word we use for inherit, experience the promises. We're to be imitators of God. We are to act 
like God. We are to speak the same things that God speaks. Amen? So notice he says here, be ye merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. Now he's, he's not through. Look at verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now, what's the very first word of verse 38? Give. In other words, do these things, and you'll receive these things. Live your life in this manner, and this is the same thing that will come back to you. Because when I want someone to forgive me, I want them to do it right now. If, if I messed up, you forgive me. Don't you hold on to that. Let it go. I don't, you know, ain't no sense you being mad at me. But when the shoe's on the other foot and I need to forgive you, you want me to forgive you right then as well. But if I've not been sowing that, if I've not been acting in that manner, then that's going to cause my faith to be hindered. Because I've got to act like God acts. I've got to be merciful like God. God is merciful. Everybody with me? You understand what we're saying? And, and this is also a part of our growing faith. Because when a person comes to the place that offense and unforgiveness does not have any influence upon them, they're a person that is growing. We're maturing. We're getting older. We're getting higher in the Lord. Amen? And Paul said it like this in the great love chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. He said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. In other words, I spoke and did and I acted and all those things. Amen. I may not be quoting it verbatim. I guess you figured that out by now, have you not? Okay. But he says, when I became a man, in other words, when I grew and when I matured, what did he say? I put away childish things. Unforgiveness is one of these signs that we are not maturing in God as we need to mature, especially when it has hold of us. And when it gets hold of you, sometimes it's hard to get it off of you when it really gets its clutches in there. But we're going to talk about that in just a minute as well. So you and I need to act like God acts and be merciful in this particular mercy, in these actions of compassion. That's what mercy is, is actions of compassion. Notice verse 37 again. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Mm. I'm just letting this sink into me right now. I need this just like everybody else needs it. Don't judge people. We don't know all the reasons sometimes. You know, I can be very quick sometimes to speak my opinion and speak out about someone else feeling like I have all the information I need. And when you really get down to the bottom line, I don't know anything about that. Sometimes the government officials, like in the United States, government officials, sometimes we're very quick to criticize government officials, and, and, and there are people in the government that don't always do and act right, but we're very quick to criticize government officials sometimes, but the Bible never tells me to criticize. It says to pray for those in authority. Pray for those in government. Say amen. So I've got to act like God acts. I've got to do what God does, amen? Now, we're talking about maturing here, amen? Talking about growing up. We're talking about faith that is effective. We're talking about ever-increasing faith. We're talking about what Pastor Charles just talked about at the end, a faith that is fully persuaded. Hallelujah, amen? All of these things working together, all of it's a part of the pie. As Pastor Cowan started out yesterday afternoon, all of these are factors that cause our faith to be effective. Amen, hallelujah. So once again, don't judge because I'm going to be judged. 
Condemn not. You're not going to be condemned. And then forgive and you shall be forgiven. And again, the very first word of verse 38 is give or do these things. When you give, that's an action. Do these. Let this be a part of your makeup. Let this be a part of the way that you order your life. Amen in this. Now, let's go a little bit further. We're not quite done yet. When a person, when a person would do this, or excuse me, when a person would not do this, what can happen is a root of bitterness can spring up and take hold of them. Go with me over to Hebrews again. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I want to look at verses 14 and 15 with you. And as you're turning, have you enjoyed the weekend? Have you received anything that you need to help your faith grow? Amen. I mean, this, this has been a super session on faith, has it not? So many good things said and so many parts of the pie have been spoken about and talked about. And, I, and again, I want to just say what I said a moment ago. All of these are ingredients that help our faith to be strong and help us to be pleasing unto God so that we're able to run our race. You know, I don't know if that was talked about much this weekend or not, but uh, the first part of Hebrews 12 here talks about us running our race and accomplishing that which God has set us in the earth to do. And faith is so tied. It's just so much a part of that. Our faith has to be strong in order to do that. Amen. But I don't want to speak about that right at this moment. What I do want to talk to you about is this. If a person does not give place to forgiveness and does not give this and do this, as we just read there in Luke, this is what can happen next to him. Look at verses 14 and 15 with me. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, when you follow peace with men, would unforgiveness be involved in you living peacefully with someone? No, not at all. That person may not even know that you're upset with them, but your peace is going to be absent because all you're going to be thinking about is what's caused you to be mad. So the Bible tells us to follow peace. Well, the way concerning this area, as far as unforgiveness, that I follow peace is I see to it that I do it. I let it go. You know, there's nothing anybody can do to you or is able to do you that ought to cause you to, to get over in unforgiveness. You ought to let every thing that someone do to you. Let it go. Amen? Now, as I say that, the Bible gives us ways when there is offense for us to handle that if we need to go talk to someone. You, you go to your brother or you go to your sister. I don't have time to get into that today, but I just wanted to say that. It's not like that you, that you don't have some recourse when you need it, okay? But 99 times out of 100, and maybe more than that, when I get offended at someone, it's just because I don't like something someone said or someone did when it really has no bearing upon me affecting me in my life. I've just taken issue with something they said or something they've done. You, do you understand how I mean that today? I mean, it's just a little thing is what I'm trying to say. Most of the times, these unforgiveness and issues we have of unforgiveness are over the most smallest, teeniest, you know, just, just things that don't amount to anything. But yet we let them blow up in our lives, okay? Now, when something does happen that is significant and you need to handle it properly, don't go talk to everybody else about it. Go talk to the person themselves. And the Bible gives instructions about how you go and you speak to them and you work it out between you two. And then if they won't receive you, 
they won't, they won't do what you ask them to do, they won't talk to you about it, then you have done what God has told you to do, and you are free then from it. So then what we have to do is walk in unforgiveness, not let it have influence upon us. So we follow peace. Everybody understanding what I'm saying? I know it's late in the day, and I don't want to get too technical here, okay, because we're, we're almost done. But we follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, 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 what is holiness? When the Bible talks about holiness here, what is that? You talk to me for a minute. What is holiness? I hear my two buddies talking here, but I don't hear anybody else saying what you're I'm sorry? To set the past? Is that what it is? Yes, amen. What is it? Yes, to be set apart. It is holiness. That is sanctification. But here's what this part means here. When you live in holiness, it's not just talking about sinless perfection. Sometimes that's what people think of holiness in that, okay? Because as people, we sometimes miss it. But holiness here, what it means there is that I'm walking in the way that the Bible has taught me and directed me to walk. And it even carries with it Galatians 5.22 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Those nine fruits that should be growing. This is a part of a holy lifestyle. Amen. A life that is toward God. A life that is ordered and founded upon the Bible. A life where the principles of the Bible are the way that I will live in this day. Can you say amen to that? So we follow peace which would have no unforgiveness in it, and we follow the way that God has told us to work and to do these things. And as we do this, we're going to see the Lord. Now, again, this is not a heaven or hell issue. To see the Lord is not, am I going to see him or not? It's not a heaven or hell. When, I, when it says you will not see the Lord, when I walk in unforgiveness and I don't allow holiness to be a part of my life, then the manifestations of God's promises are not going to be there because I'm not going to be in faith I'm going to be out of faith and if it's been caused by unforgiveness look at the next verse it says looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled when you let something that starts out so so small and you don't handle it according to the word of God that thing can not every time but it can get down in your soul and begin to take root and when that thing becomes a root of bitterness then it it, it gets harder for you to handle it and get rid of it we don't want these things to grow to that point now now what is a root it's a hard question, is it not? <laughs> what is a root? Well, it's a root is the, the source of strength. Let's, let me look at it like this way. They say that because that is true. The root is the origin. It's the place where life begins, is it not? So the origin of this thing needs to be handled right at the beginning. Husbands and wives, let me, let me use this today. If a husband and wife come into a disagreement don't separate yourself and let that disagreement continue to be in the middle of it. If there's a disagreement, turn to one another and take care of it. Walk in love. If I'm wrong toward my wife, I don't have any problem telling her I was wrong and I'm sorry. I missed it. I'm sorry. 
And my wife doesn't have any problem doing that with me. Now, I just use that as an example. I'm not trying to lift us up. I'm just using that as an example. Why? Because we don't want to live that way. We don't want all that strife in our house. We don't want all that, that junk that comes in there from the devil in there. I, like I told you earlier, I've gotten better things to do and much more better things to do with my time than sit around mad at someone over something that's a little bitty and insignificant. And if there does have significance to it, as I said earlier, go to the person. Take care of it. Don't talk to everybody else. Talk to the person that we need to talk to about it. Why? Because when I, when I combat it this way, I don't let a root of bitterness get in there. I don't let the origin of that which will cause my faith to be effective to have any potential to grow in my life. I don't let a root of bitterness cause me to be ineffective in my faith and in my walk with God. Can I get an amen on that one today? Amen. Don't just guard against it. So any root of bitterness, if it springs up, in other words, if it begins to get, get a hold in your soul and begins to grow, then something is going to be there that's going to cause you to be separated from the faith of God. It's going to cause you to oppose the faith of God. It's going to cause you to have doubt. It's going to cause you to have questions. And it's going to make your faith in e. Effective. Amen. So now I want to close with you today with this. And we've, we've, we've enjoyed ourselves thoroughly. I just want you to know I'm not speaking what I am. I just on behalf of Pastor Count as well. And I know he's probably already told you that it, this has been just a wonderful weekend for us. And we sure appreciate you receiving us, your hospitality, your love and your kindness. We appreciate it so very much. But years ago, I worked with this fella. And, and, and as we were working one night, we had this, this altercation. It really started out as a disagreement, but the disagreement grew, and we were in front of a number of people, and before it was done, we were, we were kind of speaking very harshly to one another right there in front of all these people. And it just really, really bothered me. I mean, it just, I was embarrassed by it. I was in leadership. I was leading this team, and I felt like this person openly challenged my authority and instead of me using my authority to handle it, I got down on that level with him and began to, to jaw back and forth with him. You know what I mean by jaw? Speak back and forth. And, and at that time, it really made me mad, and I, I just was upset about it, and I was mad at this guy. I didn't, you know, for several weeks, I didn't even talk to him. I just let it go. But as I continued to grow in God, I thought I had gotten rid of this thing. Now, this happened in 1988. Been a long, long time ago, okay? Well, I had gone on to Rama. We had graduated Rama. We were back at the church in Nashville. And I was working, and it's now 1993. Five years almost have gone by. And this guy's nickname was Pee Wee. I don't know why they called him Pee Wee, because he was a big rascal. Big guy, but they called him Pee Wee. Well, five years had gone by, and I don't know if it was on TV or what one day, but I heard the words either on the radio or TV, peewee. Some of you know, I don't know what was going on. And when I heard those words, I immediately in my mind went back to that night we had that altercation. And every part of that, I could recall with vivid detail, every part of my anger and every part of my offense toward him and every issue that I had with him that night and how mad I was and how fumed I was. And it's almost five years later and I'm mad again now. And then I came to myself because, you know, I'm working, I'm working in the, I've been through Ram, I'm in the ministry now. Now I've grown in the Lord since that time, but I came to myself and I said, what in the world? Because I don't even know where Pee Wee's at now. Five years have passed. 
I don't even know where he's at. And I'm mad at him. I'm as mad at him right then as I was the night it happened. Now, I know that's never happened to any of you. I know that. Y'all wouldn't let yourself get there. I don't blame you. So I stopped there for a minute, and I immediately went to the Lord in prayer. I said, Lord, what, what is this? What's wrong here? I said, this is, I mean, I was fuming five years ago. And you know what the Lord said to me? Just very plainly and softly, just in the love of God, he said, you never forgave him. And that's all he said. So now I'm mad at the Lord. <laughs> never forgave him. That's all you got to say to help me right now. You never forgave him. I, I want him to come and you know, really minister to me. Help me, Lord. I'm in an hour of trouble. My soul is just dis- distressed here. Lord, I'm mad. Help me, Father. Come and help me. And that's what he said. You never forgave him. So I did. I'm telling you the truth. For a minute there, I kind of had a little argument toward God, you know, just for a second. But as I said, I, I, I've come to myself now, and I said, no, wait a minute. I never forgave him. I never sent it away. I never let it go. I never laid it aside. I didn't do what the Bible told me to do. And I didn't even realize it, but that had plagued me, and it come to a point and a place where I had bitterness in my heart toward that individual. So as soon as I came to myself there in that time, in that prayer time of God, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release, the guy's name was Ronnie. I release Ronnie in the name of Jesus. I forgive him. And Father, I can't ask him, but I know I was wrong that night in that argument as well. I asked you right now to forgive me in his behalf. Let him, Lord, I don't know if he can know it or not, but I, I just want all of this cleared up and all of it out of my way. And I want you to know it wasn't but just a few minutes that that pressure began to lift off of me. And praise be unto God, all that was gone and taken away. And I can hear the name Pee Wee all day long now. (laughs) And it doesn't have any influence over me at all. Amen. There's power in forgiveness. There's a power when you'll let it go and send it away. There's a power that will cause your faith to be effective. And we can come to the point where we are fully persuaded. Amen. With no hindrances and nothing hurting us. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you so much. We love you. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.